Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for listening. I wanted to start off this episode by talking about an article here that was written in 2015 regarding a physicist by the name of Richard Feynman. And this is an excellent article, and I'm going to read it word for word, and the majority of it is Richard Feynman's own own words, which is great. And he defines basically how to think about particular things and how thinking differently about a number of different things, but starting at a particular place of uncertainty is usually the best approach, almost regardless of the subject. Because if you start there, as you've even heard me say, and I have to be completely honest, I mean, both the two of us, frankly, agree on this. And I just came across this guy's work. I had no idea who he was uh, until I read this article. And I thought, yeah, we're on the same wavelength. So this article comes from BigThink.com. It was written on December 10th, 2015. And it's titled, How to Use the Feynman Technique to Identify Pseudoscience. And then the subtitle is, Richard Feynman's Method for Understanding Science Can Also Be Used for Detecting Pseudoscience. So not only am I going to read this here, but it fits perfectly in with a number of other subjects that I want to bring up, because I want to bring up some jab-related things, and I have some audio related to that from the five docs that I want to play, and then a few other articles that are jab-related, and then a education story as well. Not to mention, I've had two listeners of the podcast, and thank you both for sending this to me, but there's a timestamp in the Uvalde Facebook BitChute video that I have on my BitChute channel at a very specific timestamp where you're going to want to hear exactly what, uh, what this adult says and what this child says, because both of them call it a training and that what happened there was a training. So I'll get into that in a little bit. But the article reads like this, quote, In late 2015, a study made headlines worldwide by bluntly demonstrating the human capacity to be misled by quote-unquote pseudo-profound bullshit from the lips of Deepak Chopra, infamous for making profound-sounding yet entirely meaningless statements by abusing scientific language. This is all well and good, but how are we supposed to know that we are being misled when we read a quote from quantum theory from someone like Chopra if we don't know the first thing about quantum mechanics? In a lecture given by Richard Feynman in 1966, the influential theoretical physicist told a story about the difference between knowing the name for something and truly understanding it. He said, quote, This boy said to me, See that bird standing on the stump there? What's the name of it? I said, I haven't got the slightest idea. He said, it's a brown-throated thrush. Your father doesn't teach you much about science. I smiled to myself because my father had already taught me that name. Doesn't tell me anything about the bird. He taught me, see that bird? It's a brown-throated thrush, but in Germany, it's called Hausenflugel, and in Chinese, they call it a Chung Ling. And even if you know all those names for it, you still know nothing about the bird. You only know something about people. 
what they call that bird. Now that thrush sings and teaches its young to fly and flies so many miles away during the summer across the country, and nobody knows how it finds its way, and so forth, there is a difference between the name of the thing and what goes on. The result of this is that I cannot remember anybody's name, and when people discuss physics with me, they often are exacerbated when they say, quote, the Fitz-Cronin effect, and I ask, what is that effect, and I can't remember the name. Feynman went on and said, quote, there is a first-grade science book which in the first lesson of the first grade begins in an unfortunate manner to teach science, because it starts off on the wrong idea of what science is. There is a picture of a dog, a windable toy, toy dog, and a hand comes to the winder, and then the dog is able to move. Under the last picture, it says, what makes it move? Later on, there is a picture of a real dog, and the question, what makes it move? Then there is a picture of a motorbike, and the question, what makes it move? And so on. I thought at first they were getting ready to tell what science was going to be about, physics, biology, chemistry, but that wasn't it. The answer was in the teacher's edition of the book. The answer I was trying to learn is that energy makes it move. Now, energy is a very subtle concept. It is very, very difficult to get right. What I meant is that it is not easy to understand energy well enough to use it right, so that you can deduce something correctly using the energy idea. It is beyond the first grade. It would be equally well to say that God makes it move, or spirit makes it move, or movability makes it move. In fact, one could equally say energy makes it stop. Look at it this way. That's only the definition of energy. It should be reversed. We might say something can move, and it has energy in it, but not what makes it move is energy. This is a very subtle difference. It's the same with this inertia proposition. Perhaps I can make the difference a little clearer this way. If you ask a child what makes a toy dog move, you should think about what an ordinary human being would answer. The answer is that you wound up the spring, it ties to unwind, tries to unwind, and pushes the gear around. What a good way to begin a science course. Take apart the toy, see how it works. See the cleverness of the gears, see the ratchets, learn something about the toy, the way the toy is put together, the ingenuity of people devising the ratchets and other things. That's good. The question is fine. The answer is a little unfortunate, because what we're trying to do is teach a definition of what is energy, but nothing whatever is learned. Suppose a student would say, quote, I don't think energy makes it move. Where does the discussion go from there? I finally figured out a way to test whether you have taught an idea or you have only taught a definition. Test it this way. You say, quote, without using the new word which you have just learned, try to rephrase what you have just learned in your own language. Without using the word energy, tell me what you now know about the dog's motion. Unquote. You cannot. So you learned nothing about science. That may be all right. You may not want to learn something about science right away. You have to learn definitions. But for the very first lesson, 
Is that not possibly destructive? I think for lesson number one, to learn a mystic formula for answering questions is very bad. The book has some others. Quote unquote, gravity makes it fall. The soles of your shoes wear out because of friction. Shoe leather wears out because it rubs against the sidewalk, and the little notches and bumps on the sidewalk grab pieces and pull them off. To simply say it's because of friction is sad, because it's not science. Unquote. Feynman's parallel about the meaning of science is a valuable way of testing ourselves on whether we have really learned something, or whether we just think we have learned something. But it is equally useful for testing the claims of others. If someone cannot explain something in plain English, then we should question whether they really do themselves understand what they profess. If the person in question is communicating ostensibly to a non-specialist audience using specialist terms out of context, the first question on our lips should be, why? In the words of Feynman, quote, it is possible to follow form and call it science, but that is pseudoscience, unquote. Personally, I love this. I absolutely love it, because he's 100% right. A person can point at a thing, call it a thing, and that doesn't mean that they understand everything about that thing. They've just convinced themselves that they know enough about it in order to explain it, without really diving deeper into what it actually means. You know, the, the fake shooting in Texas is perfect. It's a perfect example. It's very difficult for people to get past evil and what real evil is, and that lying in the media is evil, and that it's allowed, and that it's legal, and that these are things that occur and have occurred for a very long time and will continue to occur. Use Richard Feynman as, as an example, too. In the past, actually in the 80s, mid-80s, during the Challenger explosion, he was on a committee that was investigating all of the flaws that were associated with the Challenger space shuttle exploding. He was ultimately removed because he was asking too many questions. Because he arrived at the conclusion at the time that they knew that it was going to explode, that the people who sent it up knew that it was going to blow up because there were apparently a bunch of problems associated with it. Now, what we know is, for a fact, and, and Feynman, of course, he's, he's dead now, but he knows this now, is that no one was on board, that that entire explosion was designed to be fear propaganda. And you, you see, that's the investigation that he's encouraging everybody to examine. A person sees a space shuttle explode. They think space is real. They think that you can send that kind of stuff to the moon or wherever you think you can send it, which you can't. But an individual has a hard time getting around all of those lies at the foundational level because their television has told them something over the course of their entire life including their own parents, throughout the 20th century, that all of this is real, that the foundational exploration of, of the sky above us is, uh, is a thing that can actually happen, that you can actually send something to the moon or Mars or whatever, and you cannot. 
But that's the conclusion that Feynman was reaching, is that it just doesn't make any sense. So, again, he was kicked off of the panel because he knew why on earth would this organization intentionally kill people? But then you have to even go deeper. And what if those people weren't on board? What if, what if it was done on purpose as an explosion on television in American classrooms, I might add, and within the home in order for people to see and then believe that it occurred? Because if you recall the, the, the Masonic story that they brought up, you had a teacher, a business person, and you had every race and ethnicity that you could possibly imagine, except for a Hispanic person. There was an Asian, there were, there were whites, there were blacks, men and women. None of them were actual astronauts. They were actors. And that's exactly what, what Feynman is asking people to do. He's not asking you to arrive at the same conclusion. He's asking people, start at a point you, you, that, that essentially, and I, I even said this in previous episodes, your starting point should be of pure speculation and, and pure curiosity with the foundation that this did not happen. This particular thing didn't happen. And once you start there, then you're starting with a clean slate. But if you start with, on the opposite end of that spectrum, this happened. This was real. This shooting in Texas was real. Kids died, etc., etc. It becomes even harder for the individual to go backwards to ultimately arrive at, wait a minute, this thing didn't happen. So he's encouraging people to start from the right spot. And in his example, just because you know the name of a bird doesn't, know, doesn't mean that you know everything about said bird. And he's 100% right. Myself included, I might add. I don't claim to know everything about everything. I'm not one of these individuals that you've seen on a stage, you know, making fun of liberals and, and trying to uh, let them know everything that I know because they're 100% wrong on everything. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll never see me do that. And just because I have a podcast doesn't mean that I know everything. I certainly don't. It's quite the opposite. I fully admit I know nothing. And I'm doing my best to consistently learn and swallow red pills as much as I can. And as I've said in the past, and I have it written on the backs of t-shirts in the old uh, American Education FM store in Latin, never stop unlearning. And I think, again, that's exactly what Richard Feynman would, would, uh, would encourage people to do, is to make sure that you never stop unlearning, because you're reversing your starting point. Instead of starting with, well, the media said it, so it must be true, on to the next thing. Instead of starting there, you start with, they're lying. This, is, th this didn't happen. And then you can start to examine the reasons why. It just so happens that the end conclusion tends to be the exact same, that it's all about fear, control, manipulation, money laundering, crime, fraud, extortion, whatever it may be. And it's sad. Child trafficking, what have you. So 
that's kind of the basis for this entire episode here. And I wanted to start off with that. I, again, I highly recommend checking out his videos on YouTube and giving him a listen. Um, I'm enjoying listening to, to what he's saying. Uh, okay. Regarding the Texas children, quote unquote, in that alleged school. There are two videos that are out now that are all over BitChute, and I put them on my Gab account. And they show an individual, again, you, you, can't, you can't hear their voice or anything, you're just seeing the screenshot video as they're taking it, but they're looking up the obituaries of these individuals who allegedly died, who of course did not. And uh, none of their obituaries pop up in the National Obituary Registry, which apparently, when you file an actual obituary, that's where it goes. And they're not popping up. Because the point that gets made is just because an individual puts out a press release saying that someone is dead, that's not an official obituary. Just because someone gets on a GoFundMe page and says that so-and-so was born on this day and died on this day and, you know, leave, leaves behind a loving family and brothers and sisters and blah, 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 does not mean that that person is dead. And Richard Feynman would agree with that, I think. So an official obituary is not a press release, and a press release is not an official obituary. And that's worth keeping in mind because they can't find the obituaries of any of these children or those alleged adults. Uh, the other video that's bouncing around is the individual is looking up not the birth certificates per se, but the dates of birth and the dates of death based on their name. And there were only, I think, a couple of individuals that matched. The others did not show up at all. So again, what I'll do is, is I'll link those videos in the description below here of this episode, and you can watch them yourself. Uh, yeah. What I do know is that I tried to obtain the birth certificates, because you'd really only have to do it, do it with one person in that fake incident. but. On Texas.gov, it costs $22 to obtain a birth certificate, but you can obtain it. You cannot obtain it unless you are a direct family member. So a complete stranger cannot obtain a copy of a birth certificate or proof of birth and proof of death, apparently. Uh, but you can apparently look up as to whether or not someone of a particular name was born in an area, and then whether or not said individual died on a particular date in a particular area. Again, saying a person died on a particular day on a GoFundMe page doesn't mean that it actually happened. And again, you know, this is a, this is another this is another dimension of thinking that a lot of people don't don't want to go to because again, it has to do with lying. And the importance of lying among evil people because again, they know that if they make the lie big enough and real enough, then people won't question it. Because you'll have all these megaphones and, and bullhorns just screaming at the top of their lungs that it was real. And that will overwhelm the individual or many individuals and, and keep them from actually questioning anything. So there you go. 
I did also have two listeners of the podcast bring this to my attention, and I've listened to it now, I would say, at least half a dozen to a dozen times. And there is a clip, and I'm going to give you the exact timestamp in the BitChute video that's on my channel, where you can see the, it's the uh, 58 to 59 minute long video that the guy is taking outside of the, uh, outside of the school. Again, crisis actors everywhere, the whole thing. I've been over that. But specifically at the 32-minute, 42-second mark, the cameraman is turning his phone to the right-hand side, and you can see a line of students coming out of the right-hand side of the building. And they're crossing the street right in front of him, and then they're walking up on the grass in, you know, through this intersection. At exactly 32 minutes and 42 seconds, you hear an adult say out loud, quote unquote, it's a training. And then you hear a kid immediately follow up at the 32 minute, 45 second mark, three seconds later, say, it's a training. So the full context of it is a, is a bit, is a bit, uh, well, I'm I'm uncertain of it because again, is the adult saying it to the child to keep the child calm? Does the child know it's a training and is asking for clarification? Um, you know, what exactly is the is the backstory on the back and forth of again the adult saying it's a training and then the kid follows up and says it's a training like as a question and then says it's a training. So again, are they saying this to kids to keep them calm, or is it? Or are they really just openly saying it's a flat-out training? Because again, when you watch the video, ladies and gentlemen, no one's crying, no one's running, no one's screaming, except for the fake parent in the blue shirt in the blue hat, who's running away from a crowd where they were previously calm, as I brought up in the last episode with her with her two fake kids. Um, it was well orchestrated, except when the vast majority of the people are not panicking in the video. That kind of gives up the goose there. It gives it away. Because again, in a real shooting, people would be crying. In a real drill, people would be running, not casually walking. And in a real shooting, police officers would not be holding themselves back and waiting for further orders. They would follow each other in, in single file, like a centipede, working their way around hallways and doors, clearing rooms, and then engaging the target. That's standard procedure. It's not, we're just going to sit here and whatever. So, I don't know how much more proof I can actually bring up on this particular podcast to ram it into people's heads, but like Richard Feynman, as it turns out, uh, pleasantly coincidental, so to speak, we, we, we agree on where to start when we approach particular things. Just like back in 2020, and here's going to be my transition to the five docs audio that I want to play. Just like in, in 2020, when all of this happened, my mind immediately went to, they're going to close schools, they're going to shut things down. This is going to lead to shots. Those shots are going to kill people, and people will take them because their television is going to take them. Is going to tell them to take them. 
Because again, when you've worked around a number of human beings, in particular in a controlled setting like a K-12 or university setting, the hive mind is so prevalent that you know what these people are going to do before they do it. And that's alarming for someone like me because I'm sitting here watching everything sort of play out and I'm saying to myself again, um, those individuals don't know what they're doing. And, and they, they don't know what's coming ahead and they don't know that ultimately they're going to get sucked into this decision making. They're going to be coerced or forced into making a decision and more, li- more likely than not, basically, they're going to choose poorly. And that's continuing to happen. So I want to play some of this, uh, this audio here from the Critically Thinking channel on Rumble. This was from the Five Docs episode where the only person who was not there was Dr. Lee Merritt. Uh, some very interesting revelations, and I just kind of want to broadly mention what they are before I start playing some of this audio. One of the points I believe that Dr. Sherry Tenpenny brings up is that she mentions that individuals who have even received the first shot have myocarditis. Now, it could be that I'm getting her comments and um, Professor Cahill's comments mixed up because Professor Cahill has a bit shoot video bouncing around from roughly a year ago where she was saying the exact same thing. In, in fact, she, she mentioned the same thing that I mentioned in the board meeting back in August of 2021, that the people who have taken these shots are likely to die in the next three to five years for a variety of reasons, mainly of which is going to be heart trouble and blood clotting. So it's either Cahill or Tenpenny. Again, I could be getting the two video clips mixed up, but one or both ends up saying that even if a person has taken just one shot, they have myocarditis. They just may not have the symptoms of it yet. But because of the poison, assuming again that they didn't take a placebo of some kind or a saline shot, although that's poisonous enough, but you get my drift, that if they took the real deal, even just one dose, that much like poison, it operates on a progressive level. So. We've had people again die from taking the first shot. And then those same people, just after one shot, have passed away again, hours, days, weeks, months, and now years after the fact. So when you add more shots, that of course isn't a good thing. It increases the likelihood, just basic math, it would increase the likelihood of you passing away in a shorter amount of time. Because again, that's how poison works. So that gets brought up. Uh, There's more shedding information that gets brought up, more reproductive impact that gets brought up, and I want to play as much of this as humanly possible. I'm not exactly sure how long this is going to be. I'm going to bounce around a little bit, but I certainly want you to hear from Dr. Christian Northrup regarding a variety of issues. So here's that audio. 
you know, is that we we knew from Tiffany Holm and from everything we were seeing back in the spring of 2021, as they were rolling out these shots for everybody, we started to hear about women having all this bleeding. Their periods were totally erratic. Uh, I would get phone calls from people in California. I've been bleeding for 40, 50 days. Um, 90-year-old women were bleeding and worse 18-month-old baby girls were bleeding, hemorrhaging from being around recently vaccinated grandparents. We even had the death of, uh, of a couple little girls from vaginal hemorrhaging. And so we thought we need to figure out what is going on here. So we started this database with Warren Geek, who had the ability to do a database like this. He's an information engineer with three daughters, so he's very concerned. And so over the course of about a year, we got uh, almost 7,000 people telling us about their experience. Most did not have the shot, but some did. And then and here we are with the database and we have to do something with it. So, you know, we tried to get an IRB and try to just figure out how, how can we do this? And now we have Children's Health Defense on board, James Thorpe on board, uh, Tiffany, me, and uh, some others, and everyone looking at this database. So our very first paper that was published is about decidual cast shedding. That is an incredibly rare event. I never saw it in my years of practice. Wow. And there were only 10 cases in the world literature. Wow. And in reported in our database, 297 cases. Oh, wow. That women had themselves reported, in, including pictures where they'd, get, they'd have days and days of cramps. And then, boom the whole inside of the uterus, you know, you could literally, it's like a plaster cast of the inside of the uterus would come out in one fell swoop. And in the past, this has been associated with extreme stress of some kind. And so we had all those cases, we have pictures of these. And so our report was something's going on that made this happen. Now we're expanding the database to include people who have had the shot. Uh, we know that, this is interesting, they chose not to study the menstrual cycle at all in the rollout of the clinical trials. And when they started to see that the signal was a little off, given that the menstrual cycle is now considered a vital sign for women's health, just like your blood pressure and your temperature, when they started to see problems. The Harvard person, who I can't remember her name, but she came out and she said, well, women are concerned about this sort of thing, but it's not life-threatening, and therefore we didn't want to do anything about it, lest people have, and this is their little euphemistic term that they invented, unless people have vaccine hesitancy. So, that's where we are. And I just got word from the Epic Times that they now want to do a story on this. And I posted it on my uh, website that our, our um, published article. And, you know, I'm pretty careful because I'd like to keep the website. And we had people weighing in 
with stories. One guy said, I, uh, my second wife, not the mother of my daughter, got the shot. And now my teenage daughter is having all kinds of problems that she never had before. And again, we know from the Pfizer clinical trial data that pregnant women were never tested. And in the first, in the data set, they said, if you're pregnant, it's reportable if you're around someone who's had the shot. If you're a man and you have the shot, do not get anyone pregnant for 60 days. And, you know, and if you are pregnant, you can't even touch someone who's had the shot. So we went from there to now the Department of Health and Human Services and all the OBGYNs in this country and the American Board of OBGYN is saying COVID is much more dangerous than the shot. So do, you know, this sort of thing they have on Valentine's Day or Mother's Day, do your part and get yourself jabbed. I will not use the term vaccination. It's not a vaccination. Get that shot because you will be helping your child and everyone around you. So this no is just the beginning of that day. So what you were saying about the 60 days, you're not supposed to get someone pregnant in 60 days. You're not even supposed to have unprotected sex. Right. It wasn't, right. So it's not just about getting impreg impregnating. It was about no sex. So what was coming through that semen in those first 60 days after that shot that you weren't even supposed to have unprotected sex? Or what's coming through the sweat and the breath? What and, did they know? What, did all they? what Larry? What, what did they know? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, I'm wondering, I have a question for you, Chris, about this, because, you know, we were all involved with this. In fact, it was what started the five docs. You know, it was, yeah. when, was back in April of last year, 2021. But right. all of these, uh, there were 11,000 cases first, and then some of them got crashed because they took down the website and all of that. Of all of these women around from these trans, this is where we talked about transmission, these transmission yes. events of all these things that were happening. It doesn't it appear that we're hearing so many of those stories now. Or is it just not happening or are people just not reporting it? Any, it's any still idea? happening. It, it's still happening. What do you but think, here's Sarah? the thing. Okay, so remember, at the time we started to talk about it, okay. there were Facebook groups, there were Instagram groups, there were all these groups talking mm -hmm. about it. They all have been censored. Yeah, so at funny. that time, I had a huge Instagram group. Now, I can't even do an Instagram live. I, I you know, I, oh, and I, I just found out I can't even post, I can't repost someone else's material on Instagram. So all the places where the relatively younger people would be, which is Instagram, TikTok, all of that, they make really sure that people never see it. So what happens is women, you know, they think they're crazy um, unless they're following the so-called back channels. They go to their doctor and their doctor says, I don't know what it is. You know, it must be all in your head or, you know, what they're saying to everyone with a neurologic disorder. Oh, it's anxiety. Yeah, it's anxiety. All right. Wow. I mean, you know, so women have been called crazy forever and ever and ever. So it's just another aspect of that. But you're right. You're right, Sherry. Remember, that's how we started. We took what is being transmitted? What is this? Is it shedding? What is it? So, again, that's an audio clip just from the end of May, 
when the four of them got together and, and had numerous conversations about numerous things. But the business of the shedding through via electromagnetism, as you've heard me bring up with regularity on this show, is real, and it has been proven to be real. Uh, even recently, again, more articles have come out saying, yes, the shedding is 100% real. And of course, they know this. They all know this. And they know all, I mean, they, they know the answers to it, which is one of the things that makes the five of them interesting when the five of them get together. Because as I've said in the past, they live in five different areas of the United States. They bring their expertise, stories, and personal experiences and research to the table. Again, approximately once a month at the end of each month. But what's unfortunate is that in some of the other episodes where it will be, again, just Dr. Pilevsky and Dr. Tenpenny, they're doing a live stream chat at the exact same time. And when they bring up things that are, for example, sports-related, so in the last episode, they were, it was just the two of them, and they were mentioning who's in the playoffs, what teams are in the NHL playoffs, and who's in the NBA finals or whatever, and this, that, and the other. People in the chat are, are yelling at them and saying, stop talking about sports, no one cares, talk about this kind of stuff, talk about the medical stuff, tell us what you've learned, hit us with an anecdotal story uh, of someone you've met about this, that, or the other. I mean, that's what people want to hear. And unfortunately, this is where Sherry Tenpenny loses her, her, her cool. And she, she goes off, and as she did in, in this past episode, again, before the five of them got together, or the four of them in this particular case, but she started saying the word normal. And she started yelling at people in the chat to just cool their, cool their jets and... and, and get calm and relax and settle down because we just want to have a normal conversation about quote-unquote normal things. We don't live in normal, and ladies and gentlemen, I want nothing to do with normal. I don't want to go back to the Matrix. I'm not interested in that. I hope you're not interested in it either, and I hope that you've recognized that the bread and circus is problematic, that that is the problem. That if you watch a bread and circus activity and you see all of these people cheering at the same time over nothing, and you see all of these people uh, applauding over nothing or getting upset over nothing, what if all of those individuals took all of that energy and put it toward their enemy? And we all harnessed all of that in the right direction. The reason we're losing, to some extent, although we're winning in numerous other avenues as well. But the reason that we're losing in that particular regard is because those individuals are showing those of us who are awake that they are dead asleep. Once you lose the taste of the matrix out of your mouth, the things that are occurring with the bread and circus and television and all of those distractions, I mean, you, you, you just lose that taste. You lose it. You don't gain that back. You don't say, well, I'm going to stop watching the NFL now because the Carolina Panthers have a, a trans, you know, a transsexual on there, a, a dude who's dressing up like a woman as one of their cheerleaders. And that's a real thing. And that has recently happened. 
So let me run out to the store and get my Carolina Panthers uh, jersey because all of this sits well with me. I mean, when hot dog prices went from a dollar to five bucks a hot dog, I flipped out. I went, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's happening here? When you could buy a beer for a buck and now it's $14 or $20 for one beer? Uh, no. I'm gone. That's it. That's it. Never again. Not to mention the gaslighting and the and the gambling and the uh, fixing games and all of that stuff. I mean, the whole thing is fixed anyway. But with all of that aside, when you wake up to it, you lose the taste for it and there's no way you go back. So this is the problem that a lot of people even have with, with Tenpenny specifically is you know, she'll stick her chest out and her nose up in the air and make it sound like she's got it all figured out. And then she'll say, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why this is happening. And then somebody complains about why they're having a sports conversation on a Zoom call podcast, so to speak, that is supposed to be honing in on what the problems are. Because again, they were ahead of the curve and still are in many cases. They're still waking a lot of people up. But the point is, is don't waste your time talking about who's in the NHL playoffs and, and who's playing whom, where, and when, and how. No one really cares. The people who are awake don't care. And if we're trying to wake people up, that's, that's not the way to do it. It's not to uh, dip your toes into, into the matrix in that avenue and attempt to pull them toward what it is that you're doing. At least that's not, that's not my approach. I prefer the cold buckets of water. That, that seems to work a little bit better anyway. Again, that's just my, that's just my take and my approach. Um, either way, with that said, I wanted, you to, I, I wanted you to hear Christian Northrup describing all of that because I can't help but think to myself, when it comes to, again, the shedding and the reproductive health, the short-term and long-term impact this is having on K-12 children and university students. I mean, these poor children and young adults have no idea what they've done. They have no idea. And you know, again, that this is happening to them. And isn't it interesting that we're not hearing from them? We're not hearing from them. So I'm going to put this out again. I said this a long time ago. I even had a Xavier University student on the podcast approximately a year ago. I want to put this out again. Actually, it was the end of last summer, beginning of, of the school year uh, last fall when, when he was on. I want to put this out there for anybody. If anybody out there knows someone who is a K-12 student or a university student, and they have had ill effects from the jabs. Again, this is a very specific niche here. Okay, it's a very specific notch in the in the COVID jab spectrum, as you've heard me mention. But if you know of someone who is out there who has been jab injured and is of student age and associated again with with these institutions. And they want to talk about the coercion and they want to talk about the ill effects. Let them know that they have an open forum on this show to do that. And that all they have to do is get a hold of me. My email is out there, AmericanEducationFM.com. Uh, that's the website anyway. 
The email is on there as well, AmericanEducationFM at ProtonMail.com. They can reach out and, and hit me up, and I would be more than willing to just listen. I don't have to ask them any questions. They can just, I'm not going to accuse them of anything. I'm not going to attack them or make them feel bad. That's not the point. The point is, is to get them to understand and get everybody to understand through listening to them that they're not alone. And that this is one of those major things that's occurring throughout all of these institutions. And again, this is something that slip, you know, changing gears slightly here, but I just want to make that abundantly clear first. I'll, I'll, I'll put a stamp on that, that that invitation is out there. So if anybody listening to this knows someone who, again, and maybe it's you listening to this, but if you know somebody out there who would be willing to talk about their experience regarding that, please, please do so and, and let them know about, uh, about this particular show and that direct invitation. Um, with that said, this is a point that I've brought up in the past too that is worth repeating, and it has to do with job loss. And all of these businesses, and there are many of them, experiencing job loss and, and hire and they have hiring freezes and, and they're having a hard time not just hiring people because of money shortages, but they can't find people because people aren't applying. They're not taking into account the shots. The HR departments have done that in many lines of work because they know what these shots have done to people. But many of these businesses, again, are putting up for hire signs, will hire, are hiring. And what are you hearing from the standard conservative, quote unquote, mainstream host? All of those individuals are saying, well, it's Joe Biden's government and uh, th these people are getting paid to stay home. They're getting paid to stay home and they don't want to work. And, and that's why, because they're just on the government dime and they're staying on the government dime and filing for unemployment and receiving unemployment and whatever else. That's, that's not true. That's just not true. There are more people sick and ill now than there ever have been. Because again, everybody's injected themselves, not everybody, but many have injected themselves with this eugenics poison. And to highlight that, I just want to read this one chart from an expose article that is titled COVID, COVID Data from Around the World in One Day. And as you scroll down, you'll come to a chart that is titled The Proportion of the Population Vaccinated. And it says the following. It says the percentage share of people who completed the initial COVID-19 vaccination protocol, total number of people who received all doses prescribed by the initial vaccination protocol divided by the total number population of the country. At the top, it has Portugal. And then there's Canada, France, Germany, United Kingdom in declining order, United States then, and then India just below them, and then way down South Africa. So here's the percentage breakdown. At Portugal, they are at approximately almost 85% of their population is jabbed. Again, how many jabs is another story, but this is just among the jabbed. Canada is right below them at still above 80% of their population. And then 
somewhere in the 70% range, upper 70s, you have France and then Germany just below them and then the United Kingdom just below them. And then just above the 60% range, you have the United States and then just below us is India. And then it scrolls all the way down. And again, this is as of June 4th of this year. So these numbers track all the way up from December 13th of 2020, all hovering around 0%, and then dramatically increasing, certainly during last summer. Um, The last one that they have listed again is South Africa, which is hovering around 30 to 31 to 32% as of, again, June 4th. So as it turns out, the Africans aren't buying into this whatsoever, which is, you know, a good thing. But is that also part of the plan, in particular when it comes to the Great Replacement? You know, I don't know. The The writing certainly seems on the wall. I'm sure uh, I'm sure that Richard Feynman would, would, would find that highly suspicious, to say the least. This other article here comes from naturalnews.com, and it's titled, Study Incurable Prion Disease Linked to COVID Jabs. Again, this is from a couple of days ago, but this particular article raises an interesting point, which I'm not going to read through the article, but I do want to bring this up. And it has to do, again, with the individuals who have mental and emotional disorders who have received these jabs. You know, has anybody out there witnessed individuals who, again, either take antidepressants or some other medication for a, again, it's pseudoscience as far as I'm concerned, but the diagnosed mental and emotional disorders, so to speak, that, that, that exist. And I'm sure some of them are 100% real. And then, of course, some of them are made up out of thin air just to drug people. But have people out there witnessed these individuals and then knowing full well that those individuals have taken the jabs, have they witnessed them then declining in their, oh, I don't know what you would call it, their mental and emotional grip on reality? Are you, uh, are you seeing them regress in any particular way? Are you witnessing them behave almost as if these alleged drugs that were allegedly helping them uh, not help them any longer because of, again, the, the prion disease and the cognitive decline that comes as a result of these COVID jabs. So that's another question I'm just posting to people. Uh, maybe you've seen things like that. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've heard things like that. Maybe you haven't. But it, of course, would depend on everybody's individualized situation. A couple of good things here I want to end on. Uh, This comes from the citizenfreepress.com, and it's titled Remarkable Breakthrough in Cancer Research. The study leaves every patient cancer-free, according to this particular study. It says, quote, I believe this is the first time this has happened in the history of cancer. Well, I'm sure it's happened before, but as we know, The truth gets suppressed, and the people who come up with the cure mysteriously wind up dead. Uh, It says, results of a small cancer trial that left every patient in remission is being praised as unprecedented and remarkable. So I found the article here because it was linked right to it, and I want to read the results from this article. The article is titled, again from the New England Journal of Medicine, PD-1 Blockade in Mismatch Repair Deficient locally advanced rectal cancer. That's a mouthful. Almost sounds like a band name, a really long band name. 
Uh, it says results. A total of 12 patients have completed treatment with, get this drug's name, Dostarlimab. Dostarlimab, I think. D-O-S-T-A-R-L-I-M-A-B. And have on, undergone at least six months of follow-up. All 12 patients, 100%, 95% confidence inter, interval, 74 to 100, had a clinical complete response with no evidence of tumor or magnetic resonance imaging. Uh, F. fluoride, fluoride oxyglucose, no way I got that right, although I might have, uh, positron emission tomography, endoscope evaluation, digital rectal examination, or biopsy. At the time of this report, no patients had received chemoradiotherapy or undergone surgery, and no cases or of progression or recurrence had been reported during follow-up, range 6 to 25 months. No adverse events of grade 3 or higher have been reported. Well, that's great. And again, according to the article, it has to do with busting open the cancer cell in an effort to allow your normal immune system to destroy it. So there you go. It says those who took the drug, which unmasks cancer cells, allows the immune system to identify and destroy them, did not have to move on to further cancer treatments. And there you have it. So that's a good thing. Here's the last good thing. And we saw this coming a mile away because it was 100% illegal. And uh, there's no way that such a thing could ever occur. The Wisconsin students who apparently were using the wrong pronouns and getting sued, the district court has dropped everything, dropped the entire case against them. This comes from the Blaze. Wisconsin school district closes Title IX case against boys who used wrong pronouns. Yeah, I don't, I don't have to go into that in any depth. It was illegal from the word go. There's no way that that was going to hold up in court. You cannot sue someone for talking. You can't do it. You can't sue someone for making fun of somebody. You can't sue somebody for using the wrong name. You can't sue somebody because they don't want to call them a particular name. You can't do that. You just can't. And here's the last thing, and again, this is kind of a warning. And I, I know that this crowd is smart, and there's no way that they would sink their teeth into something like this, let alone participate, of course. But the uh, solicitation for individuals to participate in clinical trials regarding any number of shots for any number of things, and then, of course, compensating them for their time and paying them and whatever else, all of these, uh, all of these radio ads and internet ads and email ads are still hitting people and still being sent out to people. And this was just sent to me by my aunt who lives in North Carolina. And it reads as follows. It says, quote, help impact future generations, big exclamation point. We are in partnership with Wilmington Health to enroll patients in a clinical research trial evaluating an investigational RSV vaccine for adults 60 years of age or older. Qualified participants will receive financial compensation and study-related care at no cost. Call that phone number or click the button below to learn more. 
Refer a friend to this study and receive $50 upon their eligibility. And then it says this, what is RSV? I hope you're sitting down because this should sound somewhat familiar. RSV, respiratory syncytial virus. Symptoms are similar to the flu. It says older adults are more at risk of developing severe illnesses such as pneumonia that may lead to respiratory failure. So far, there is no specific vaccine available against RSV. Now, who is this for, it says? Adults age 60 and 60 plus are at risk for severe RSV complications such as pneumonia, severe asthma flares, severe COPD flares, congestive heart failure, and respiratory failure. Jokes on everybody because that's what these shots do. These shots cause all of that. Essentially, what this is, again, is a giant clinical trial to receive a COVID jab. That's it. Or something that they think is going to be better or different than a COVID jab. Again, it's just poisoning. That's all it is. It's constant poisoning. Brainwashing people into believing that your health can only come to you through the end of a needle is absolutely nuts. Now, my aunt's a smart woman. She knows to not do this. She's not jabbed. Uh, in fact, she replied in a very funny way. She said, are you effing kidding me? Uh, yeah, let me jump on that train. Good grief. That's, that was her message to me. And she's 100% right. This is ridiculous. But again, only the people who actually believe that cramming needles in your body is the way to live longer. Uh, that's who this is aimed for. It's aimed directly at the brainwashed. And this is remarkably, remarkably sad. So there you go. RSV, respiratory syncytial virus. Again, we've heard that particular name associated with quote unquote coronavirus. Again, viruses aren't real. That's not a real thing. It's just poisoning. And this right here is just another way to poison people. And then they can say, oh, look, now they have a different kind of poison in their body, but they don't have RSV poison in them. It's all a con game. The entire thing is just a giant con game. And again, think back to the very beginning of this episode regarding Richard Feynman and his technique to identify pseudoscience. That email is a perfect example of that. They use the same language to try to rope you in to make it sound like you're at risk, so you'd better take the thing that they think is going to help you, but keep in mind you're participating in a trial, which is exactly, frankly, what everybody's participated in right now. The people walking around society have participated in, a, in the stage three of a clinical trial against their, uh, without their knowledge regarding shots that no one has ever taken before ever because they skipped right past the human trials as i mentioned in the last episode because they were dying they were experiencing numerous health effects including death so then they pushed it all forward on of course the mass population now pfizer has submitted the 
application to the FDA to approve these jabs for people younger than five years old. I would almost bet a finger off of my hand that that is going to get approved by the FDA for emergency use authorization. So there you go. Lots of jab news in this particular episode. My apologies if that's not your thing, but I cover it a lot on this podcast. That's the point. Um, I'm going to keep covering it too because it's not uh, it's not necessarily going to get better. In fact, in conclusion here, there are two stories from Great Awakening Dotwin I wanted to read very quickly. The first one is titled this. It's titled, I Saw Them Collapse. They said the following, quote, I hope this stays anonymous. I don't want to give away my position at the company. I work at Universal in Orlando. I saw two complete strangers, one with children and one with their family, collapse onto the ground. Just collapsed right over. Same time. The mom went into a cry that she was not feeling good before collapsing. Her children were, were crying and the man's family went into a panic. Universal sent medics. This was inside Cinemark. The medic made the comment of this being the 20th person to collapse at Universal. He blamed it on heat. For me to see this in person, this is not at all normal. Unquote. No kidding. And then the last post says this. It's titled Jab Mind Control. Quote, there's a woman. Uh, says, sorry for assuming her gender. And then it says uh, that we know who was initially adamant against the vax. Her workplace mandated it. She held out for a bit, but a couple of HR letters later, she complies. But now I find out she just went and got her booster shot and the flu jab at the same time. What the F? The booster is not mandated by her workplace, nor is the flu jab. And from what I understand, she doesn't usually take the flu jab either. So what the hell is going on? Has anyone experienced this? It seems like madness, especially given she was totally against it earlier, but she's now all in on the jabs. Not to mention she had issues after the first two shots with some strange emotional issues after. I know some have mentioned about some personality changes observed with the jabs, but this is just crazy to me, unquote. And there you have it. Two more examples of what's going on on the never-ending jab spectrum. It's, it's beyond sad, it's beyond alarming, and this continues to be the really interesting point with all of this, is that right when we have someone figured out, or right when you think you know somebody, or you know they're against a particular thing, and then they just change their mind, and then they go all in. That has to be a that has to be cognitive decline, as a result of of being poisoned, without a doubt. Again, serious notes throughout this episode, without a doubt. But uh, keep in mind again the article at the very beginning of this episode from Richard Feynman. We have to change the way that we think about things. And we're being shown a lot of different stuff, but we have to change the, uh, the, the foundational and base level mindset that we have when we examine any issue. And we have to apply the scientific method in our train of thought as much as humanly possible. 
With that said, ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you on Friday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.